Thank you all. Grateful for you and for my seat. That was fun. And there's so much packed into that song. There's so much gospel packed into that song. And that song is so much of a reflection of the heart of the gospel that we see reflected in that passage that Caroline and Lydia read from 1 John. The gospel is packed up and the intricacies of the gospel are packed up in that song as well. And we're supposed to see it. We're supposed to see not only the immeasurable love of God that motivated God to do something unthinkable so that we might know the love of God, not only now, but on into eternity, that we might experience in fullness the relationship with God in our lives now and beyond this life. But we're also supposed to see something else. And John works really hard at making sure we see this. It's seeing this dimension to the gospel that Jesus brought out when he talked about the greatest commandment. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. That there was an innovation in Jesus putting those two commands from Leviticus and Deuteronomy together so that we understand that love of neighbor and love of God and love of self are all reflected and rooted in one another. That there's an interconnectedness between the love of God and the love of self. So this immeasurable love that was poured out to us from God in Jesus is not only there to save us, but to transform us and our relationships. How do we know that the love of God is in us? John asks. We know because we see it fleshing itself out in the relationships in our lives with our brothers and sisters and enemies and neighbors. That's how we know that the love of God has worked its way into us because it's working its way out of us. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So that when we experience love in our lives, what we know is happening is a great miracle that sometimes we can easily look past. We we don't give God credit for this, but John says God is love. John says God is love, and so when we experience love, we're experiencing that and sharing that and living in that because the God who is love has allowed us to participate in that love. Faith working itself out through love. We can can dismiss loving acts sometimes as something that happened under our own steam, but we have this sense from the gospel That love breaks through in our lives only from a place that is beyond our lives. And that's why why we're able to participate in God's love. And if we keep our eyes open, we can see those expressions of God's love happening between us all around us. I read a story recently that was an Advent story because it holds together those Advent themes of darkness and light and love. But it wasn't just an Advent story, it's also a Hanukkah story, which is kind of what made it an Advent story. Hanukkah is the festival of lights, you know. So in this story, you have to imagine a residential, a small residential neighborhood. There's about 10 or 
15 really nice houses in that neighborhood and there's a cul-de-sac and they're all kind of lined up together. Some of you can imagine this neighborhood because you live in this neighborhood. You know what this neighborhood looks like. Most of the houses in the neighborhood were Christian families. Uh, so it's December and the houses were decorated as you would expect them to be decorated in December. But one was slightly different because the family that lived in that house was a Jewish family. And so instead of all the Christmassy things that we think about during this season, the way they had their house decorated was that in a prominently placed window there, there was a menorah, a lit menorah, which is a candelabra used to celebrate the festival of Hanukkah. So it was there and everybody saw it and everybody knew it. It's kind of cool. Except that one night, someone decided to come and smash the window of that house, pull out the menorah, break it onto the ground, and then take some paint or graffiti and put a Nazi swastika on the side of the house. Terrible. Horrible. And the neighbors thought so too. Because in less than 24 hours... Every house on that block had a menorah lit and shining in the window. Now, how did that happen? And how did it happen so quickly? Did, did all those non-Jewish families just have a couple of menorahs lying around in the closet, ready for such a moment to bring it out and show their support? No. No, you know how it happened. The next morning, someone saw what happened and they were troubled by the hatred that was perpetrated on their neighbors. Maybe a group of someone saw this. So they called the other neighbors and they got together and they began to talk about what they might do as an expression of love to their neighbor. And, and someone decided to pull some cash together from, from this place and that place, this neighbor and that neighbor. And somebody decided to take the day off work, maybe. And they, they went down to the store and they coordinated all this and they got it all out. That's how it happened in less than 24 hours. Things like that don't just happen. Not that fast. And love like that doesn't just happen either. Because love like that is more than a noun. Love like that, the love of God expressing itself through us, is a verb. And this is the kind of love that John is talking about in this epistle. God is love, John says. God is more than loving, John says. God is love. God's very essence is love. And the love of God was revealed to us, not just because God loves us, but because God was motivated by the love at God's very essence to do something unprecedented and unpredictable and miraculous in sending Christ to save us and transform us. And God did this not only to save us from our sin, but from our sinfulness. And the things that we perpetrate against one another in that sinfulness, whether little or large. What, is love, what does the love of God look like? John asks. It looks like love. Expressing itself in our relationships, through our lives. We're love working itself out in intentional, practical, and sacrificial ways. 
in ways that sometimes are easy to explain away. Because we could say that act happened under our own steam. Acts that we would say, well, maybe, maybe the goodness of God is just bound up in our creation, of course, and, and, and even in our brokenness, we can muster up these kinds of acts. Maybe it's like that. So it's easy for us to be cynical in this context about things like we heard about from that neighborhood with the menorah, because we might say that's beautiful and moving, but not miraculous. We understand that the Bible teaches that the goodness of God and the love of God comes from beyond us into us and it manifests in various ways and that the power of sin and evil can inhibit this, but really we also believe, yeah, but a few neighbors put a few candles in their windows and we've done things like that. Anybody could do something like that. That's not really love working itself out in some miraculous way in our relationships. We can do that kind of thing under our own steam. So is that the love of God coming from beyond us, or is that just us doing loving things? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to know when it seems so simple that we believe we could muster it up. But maybe at the very least... Simple and practical and easily accessible stories like that can point us in this moment on this fourth Sunday of Advent to a love that is beyond us. A love that is beyond us that we should more than believe in, but that is supposed to, through our receiving of it, manifest itself in our lives, specifically through our relationships, especially through the hard ones. How much do we need that kind of love right now? in our lives and in our communities. A love that can manifest itself in small and simple ways and in huge, significant ways as it shines through us in ways little and large in our lives like in what we saw a little over a week ago in our social room in the Christmas store. These things we feel like we can muster up on our own and yet families from all over the community are being blessed by intentional, sacrificial, acts of kindness. Does that kind of love come from within us or does it come from beyond us? John would say it comes from beyond us. And that when we see it manifested like that in our relationships and in the way that we sacrifice ourselves to bless other people, that that's the love of God coming from beyond us, integrating itself within us and working itself out of us. Even if we think we can explain it away. Though you know there are some stories that are much harder to explain away. And much easier for us to say, that wasn't us. That was God. Some of you know about Corrie ten Boone, World War II. She was imprisoned by the Nazis for her protection of the Jewish people in little ways. 
In her autobiography, The Hiding Place, Corey tells the story, though, of a time when after she was released from captivity, she was preaching a church, at a church on the love and grace of God and how Christ came to save us and how God's immeasurable love and grace is poured into our lives. And after the service, she was sitting there greeting people at the end and she saw someone she knew coming at her. It was the German official who was the chief guard at the Nazi concentration camp where she had been persecuted and her sister had been killed. And he had a smile beaming on his face and he said, Oh, Fräulein, isn't it wonderful how grateful I am for your powerful message that Jesus could wash away even my sins too. Corey said she found herself paralyzed as that guard thrust his hand toward her. And she couldn't muster the strength to raise hers toward him. Even as the vengeful, hateful, rageful thoughts raged within me, she said, I knew there was sin in them. And yet I could do nothing about it. I could not even feel the slightest spark of love or forgiveness for him. And so she said in that in that little moment before, before he arrived in her presence, she breathed this simple prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Please grant me your forgiveness. Please give me your forgiveness. And with that prayer, she said she was able to lift and touch the hand of the man who had persecuted her. She said, from my shoulder down through my elbow into my hands, I felt a current running in me that was from beyond me, that passed from me to him. And in that moment, I discovered this, she said, that the world's healing does not depend on our forgiveness any more than it depends on our goodness. The world's healing, she said, depends on God. Because when our Lord tells us to love our enemies, He also gives us, along with the very command to do it, the very love itself. Now, that story is striking and stark. And you might argue that Corey Ten Boone, even as impossible as that may sound, was just, it was just because she was such a mature and well-formed person in Christ that she was able to forgive someone like that who had perpetrated evil like that upon her and her sister. Even in the midst of those evil acts that were etched into her psyche, it's just that she was simply... The Michael Jordan, the Wayne Gretzky, the Serena Williams, the Patrick Mahomes of forgiveness. She just had that within her, that special spark. You might argue that. But she wouldn't. No, she would say, like John and Jesus, that there is a longing and a deep need within us and among us for a kind of love and life that can only come from beyond us. 
She would say with John and Jesus that there are powers and principalities in this world that are after us, attempting like those vandals in that story about the menorah to vandalize our lives. And she would say that without God, without the God who is love and life, we would forever be enslaved to the powers of evil that cause us to treat the way we often treat one another. And she would say in concert with the Apostle Paul that in spite of all of that, at the very, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That Christ came and lived and died for us so that we might live and give love in person for the rest of our lives. That that's the gospel too. You know, the chief heresy that John was responding to in this letter was a denial that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, had come in the flesh. By this you will know the Spirit of God, John says. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not is not from God. See, some were saying that Jesus Christ might have been fully God, but wasn't fully human, hadn't actually come in the flesh, that love hadn't actually been enfleshed and lived and walked among us in order to unleash that into our world and into our lives. This is the great heresy, John says. And there were people who would speak this heresy with their lips, and he was addressing them. But also it seems in the context of this passage that he may have also been indicating that there are people among us who continue to speak this heresy with our lives. So that you may believe in your heart and in your mind all that you've been taught and told about God's love, but it is not being embodied in your flesh in the way that you treat one another. You may believe it in your mind, but somehow the love of God that can only come beyond us is not finding itself enfleshed in your mind. John would say, I think, this is a great heresy too. And that the truth of God's love that is behind it is the heart of the gospel. And here's the point. God loves you so much. God loves you so much and God wants you to experience that love so much. And God wants you to live and give and share that love so much. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came for you to know and to experience and to share in God's love. That's the gospel. Are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to share it? Are you willing to start living it? These are the questions that John hangs out before us as we prepare for Christmas on this fourth Sunday, this Sunday of love. We need God's help for that. Let's pray for it. 
Holy God, God who is love, we pray that you would infiltrate our hearts right now even more than you ever have before. Not only so that we'll feel your love and know your love, but so that your love might begin to work its way into the deepest cracks and crevices of our lives and all of our relationships, especially those who are difficult, so that your love might heal us and flow from us in a way that is healing for the world. This would be a miracle, God. And we're asking for you to make it so. In Jesus' name. Amen.